News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkist podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Harry Siegel, here with Christina Greer and Katie Onan. Hello. Hello there. Hi, Harry. Hey. And in just a minute, the three of us are going to be talking about the outlook for New York Democrats and the blame game among them after a really rough election here, even as the party did really well nationally. But first, here's just some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York with some huge dollar signs attached. The New York City Football Club will pay around $780 million to build their team stadium at Wilts Point, Queens. Adding on to a development plan from a joint venture of the related companies, it's Stephen Ross's uh, company, and former Mets owners, the Wilpons, and their in-laws, all cats, who lost some money with Bernie Madoff. And the city is also putting in infrastructure improvements to the area, pre- presumably including sewers, because that has been an issue at Wilts Point. So just for the clarity of, you know, a lot of people are kind of treating this like a completely brand new announcement. It stems from an initial 2013 announcement that actually started with a 2008 visioning session. Um, And under the de Blasio administration, they kind of solidified the number of affordable apartment units, 1,400. This deal adds, obviously, the stadium, 1,100 more affordable units. Um, So this makes it one of the largest affordable housing projects in recent memory. Uh, The environmental cleanup, which is very, very important, a very significant part of this, it started last year. It's set to end next year. And then construction will start after that. I think the timeline reported... um, a lot of people reported this, but I guess the city only responded back to some people. But I think it's $780 million, as as we noted earlier. And it's set to, I guess, be completed by 2027. So there, there is time for that. Um, speaking of a lot of money, a new report from the state controller found $11 billion in unemployment fraud during the first year of COVID when 30% of all claims were improper and the bulk of those were fraudulent as the state rushed to get money out through what was already regarded as a half-broken system, and that's even before demand exploded as New York shut down. Walmart, without admitting wrongdoing, has agreed to pay $116 million to New York State as part of a $3.1 billion national settlement related to its roles its pharmacies played in the opioid crisis. That's a lot of money. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So, more money. Even with $2.5 billion in savings, New York City's fiscal year 2023 budget, which had been $101 billion when the mayor and city council agreed to it months ago, is already up $3 billion, so we'd be up over five without those savings, as the police, fire, and sanitation department all missed their cost savings goals, and we now have really large out-year deficits looming. One part of that increase is the $600 million that the independent budget office just estimated the city will pay this year to help newly arrived asylum seekers, who the city is now placing in hotels after closing the tent it erected and that was little used at Randall's Island. So far, this bill, $600 million, we'll see, is getting left to the city without much help from Governor Hochul or Democrats in Washington. And while the $600 million number is less than the billion dollars Adams had previously estimated, the number of arrivals, And the dollar figure may well shoot up again now that a federal judge on Tuesday blocked the government from using Title 42, a Trump-era, a wedged public health measure, 
that in practice, as the Biden administration has used it, was forcing Venezuelans to request asylum in Mexico rather than doing so after arriving in the United States. But for all the big bucks coming in and out, the conversation here in New York is still really centered on Democrats' brutal election here um, and the role that played in helping Republicans very likely take control of the House of Representatives nationally. We're going to jump right into that. But first, a quick pause for a holiday season announcement. Now that, drumroll. FAQ NYC is now part of The City, a nonprofit newsroom focused on publishing free local news that serves New Yorkers in every borough. From now through the end of the year, every dollar donated to The City will be doubled thanks to a generous matching donation. Power The City and FAQ NYC by going to thecity.nyc slash give today. That's thecity.nyc slash give. Thanks, Chrissy. And listeners, you can hit pause to give. But I'm going to keep rolling here as I'm itching to hear uh, the professors read on the fallout from this election and what it says about the state of the Democratic Party here and nationally uh, to help set the stage for that. Katie, uh, you were just in uh, Somos in Puerto Rico with the New York's Democratic elite just (laughs) after Election Day. Uh, You want to fill listeners in and maybe spill a little thing? Yeah, not to make anyone feel too bad about the weather in New York right now, but it was very beautiful and sunny and hot in Puerto Rico. Um, Mm. So there are worse assignments. Um, You know, Somos, it's so difficult to explain what Somos is. And, you know, I know many FAQ listeners are, are, maybe it doesn't need explanation because that's kind of the core of our listeners. If you know, if you're listening to FAQ, you probably already know what Somos is. Um, But it's this post-election day conference, all the elected officials go down they do have service trips and they have seminars and all that kind of stuff. But obviously there's a lot of events, partying, receptions held by unions, by legislators, by by other organizations, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, as a reporter, I go down because everyone I cover is down there. Um, and I think the interesting story that I found was this post-election day, sure, Governor Hochul, who was down in Somos as well, she won. Um but in the week leading up to election day, it certainly wasn't guaranteed. There were a lot of there was a lot of panic from high profile Dems. As for I guess the first call of that was a uh, Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine, who was also down in Puerto Rico. He held his wake up Dems rally, and he and and he and then others kind of tried to get that base of voters to get out the vote when polls show um, Republican Lee Zeldin kind of had a he was uh, closing in on Governor Hochul. Um, but obviously, then you have the a lot of down ballot races, which I'm I know was discussed last week as well. Three Southern Brooklyn uh, state legislator seats threatened now. We don't know what's going to happen. I know there's a absentee counting in some, um, but it wasn't all successful for the Democrats. And there are a couple of Republicans, I should say, down in Somos. But for the most part, it's Dem- Democratic legislators. Um, do I have any tea? I'm trying to think. Um, a lot of tea that I hope to re- report on in the coming weeks and months or whatever. So there are all these formal yeah. events at Somos, yeah. right? And then there's also just a lot of people drinking a little um, at pools. Listen, I saw out. Katie Honan's picture in a pool. I saw Katie Honan hiking. I was like, is she in L.U.K.? You know, <laughs> what's going look, on? For, look, I, w- I worked Wednesday to Saturday morning, okay? Oh, you were just going to say, I worked Wednesday. <laughs> no, no. I worked Wednesday. No, no, you could see. Look, the bylines are approved, right? Okay. Right. My boss, right. you're listening. We we got like, a lot got of reporting done, done. <laughs> Wednesday through Saturday morning. But then I hit the pool. 
I had a I had a Coors Light nip That's in the right. pool. I don't drink at these events with with sources for my own because I I <laughs> You're three beers candy. in and I be you know yeah, girl. Like, let me I tell be telling you. people my my <laughs> secrets and I need to hear their secrets. That's what I tell people. Um, and we did go. Me and a couple of the reporters went to El Yunque on Sunday. Um, but yeah, there was work done. There was. I mean, look, there was a lot of work done. Of course, but you know, I'm going to tease you forever. Hey, I worked on Wednesday. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Right, no. Wednesday through through right. Saturday morning. But you know, when I go on these work trips, especially if it's hot, I'm one of those people where I will, if it's like a hot climate like Puerto Rico, I will wake up at six o'clock and get like my two hours or three hours of sun in before I like hit the ground and like have to do work. So, you know, by the end, everyone's like, how are you tan? I'm like, uh, I set my alarm and went to the Well, no, I'm waiting. Mean, in Puerto Rico, in, well, in San Juan, it's an hour ahead. So I had that mm. advantage. So nice. yeah, I, got, I went to the beach in the morning. That's right. You know what I mean? Go ahead, like, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be working anyway. I'd be like at the, right. I'd be at like the gym or something in New York. Ugh, who wants to do all that? Right. But here in that hour plus where my bosses are not at work yet, I can go to the beach. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so almost it was, I will say it was such a world when there were so many people. Um, um, I, I was told officially that I think 1800 people registered, but then you have a couple hundred more people who just kind of roll up. They don't do the official registration. So mm-hmm. I, as I kept telling people, I feel bad for anyone who decided to have like their honeymoon or their family vacation in these hotels last week, especially if they live in New York City. They'd be very confused seeing their city council members <laughs> in the pool. Like, is that the is that my controller wearing a T-shirt and shorts? Right. Um, no, thank you. Yeah. So, so what, 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 well, this crowd is all hanging and it is largely Democrats. There was this incredible map at the Albany Times Union showing that every single district in New York had Republican pickups from 2020. Now, obviously, it's complicated comparing a presidential year to a midterm year, uh, but all red in New York City, all around. We Zeldin cleared 25% in the Bronx, uh, which is a, a real high watermark for a Republican there. And there's been all sorts of fighting since about whether this was uh, the maps and who's to blame for the maps, if this was the the left and AOC not showing up on time, if this was state party chair Jay Jacobs. As I know, Christina, you've said you didn't get any mail. I didn't get any mail, like any mail. Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I'm not watching TV. Maybe maybe it was deluged with uh, with ads. But something seemed to go really wrong here where Democrats have this um, incredible year nationally and it looks very likely they're going to lose the House and the, the losses in New York are going to be the reason for that. And in Southern Brooklyn, you have three Democratic incumbent assembly members who, as Katie mentioned, we've got recounts coming and things, but like did not get a ton of help from from the party um, and, and lost to some fairly kooky, um, if I may say so. And in one case, going back to this Walmart settlement, shady uh, Republicans, uh, that person, by the way, was uh, acquitted on a couple charges of trial. A couple others were dismissed involving uh, uh, their role in an opioid scheme after previously serving in public office. But, like, what's happening here? And are the Republicans going to do anything to actually take advantage or build on this if the Democratic Party is in disarray? Or are they just going to make, like, John Katsimatidi's daughter the new head of the Republican Party? Right. So I got, I got two thoughts. So on the Republican side, if they were organized, 
they would stop just putting up, you know, I call them these bridesmaids. That's what I call Rick Lazio and crew. Just, you know, these people, it's like, you'll never be a bride, right? So it's like, they just put up these bridesmaids all the time. And if they were smart, they'd realize there actually are quite a few moderate to conservative to hardcore conservative people who live in New York State. And this these wins that have literally changed the country could galvanize them if they get themselves together. Now, I don't know if they'll be able to do that because now that it's about to be the Ron versus Don show, they're going to be distracted. And we know that they're like feckless, spineless men and women in that party who refuse to stand up to white nationalism on the national level. So here we are. Um, but if they did organize, then I think that they could make some real gains. I think. Um, because they could make gains in New York City, but they could also make gains right outside the city. And obviously they can make gains going throughout the state. That's a, a larger state strategy that I don't think that they've had, you know, qualified people to really think like that, you know, to really um, think about the diversity, <laughs> the diverse shades of red within their party and tap into it. Because right now they do have like this crime, 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 crime issue, but they also need to watch it because I think they overplayed their hand with, with the Dobbs decision. There are a lot of, I think conservatives who were like, oof, this might be an overreach. Like, <laughs> don't pretend that only Democrats have sex. Like, settle down. <laughs> now, the Democrats. I mean, just, talk, what's that phrase? Like, they snatched the, was it snatch defeat from the jaws of success or something like that? Like, yeah, they, they, they flip it that way. I mean, pull it together. I, I think, you know, Kathy Hochul won despite Kathy Hochul. Now, granted, you know, I'm real about the gender issues that that do exist because there are quite a few men who are just like, oh, I don't like her. Still can't say why. Same Hillary Clinton nonsense. We we hear it time and time again. But we also do need to be honest. It was a terrible campaign. Like, it was a terribly run campaign on certain levels. The fact that a triple plus prime voter doesn't get a single piece of lit or a phone call. The fact that my students are like, I got a text. I'm a registered Democrat, but I got a text from Lee Zeldin. Like, why? Why are, why are these things happening? So I think the Democrats need to reshuffle the cards and figure out who needs to get fired, who needs to step aside, and like what is the strategy for the next two years, four years, six years, eight years, ten years, so that New York doesn't become a purple state, which it could. Because all states technically, you know I say they're red, but you know if you want me to be kind, fine, they're purple. But like New York could easily, very easily become a, a solidly purple swing state if Democrats just sort of take it for granted. And as a Black woman who constantly gets taken advantage of by the Democratic Party, um, I, I know that there's a there's a laziness. I mean, like, if they don't stop chasing this these white men who left in Jimmy Carter days, I am going to go insane. But there's, like, real... There are real voters that they could tap into, real young new voters that they could tap into, real issues that all New Yorkers care about that the Democrats could take hold of. And they just... I think they've taken for granted the fact that they're blue and they just rest on that. But as Brooklyn has shown us, as the Bronx has shown us, I mean, obviously Staten Island always shows us, but like as parts of Manhattan have shown us, like they need to take their organizational structure a lot more seriously and get things together. Because we can't have more lost seats in 2024 when the rest of the nation, you know, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia shouldn't be holding us together. And New York is the one that's that's slipping it through the cracks. So, hey, Hakeem, if you're listening, get your party in order in New York, especially the five boroughs. It's funny, Chris, you know, the whole taking voters for granted, I think, was a, a thread that 
during the election and then after the election down in Puerto Rico, talking to people, uh, Congresswoman Velasquez, other legislators who really s- were disappointed by what the state Dem- Democratic Party did, were disappointed by Kathy Hochul's campaign, that they weren't reached out until the very last minute. Um, and I think a lot of people throughout the city are sometimes taken for granted as voters, but this m- may be a, a wake-up wake call to the Dems to say, hey, like, we're not going to take anyone for granted. We're going to hustle for your vote because we don't want to presume based on where you live or what your race is or who you voted for in the past that you're going to vote for us again in the future. Um, I spoke to Joe Borelli, uh, the minority leader in the city council, Republican from Staten Island. He said, yeah, we're going to use the map, right, that we see of the the governor race, right, where you see the red, you see the very, very dark red, you see the lighter red. He said that's essentially a heat map for them to say, hey, we have a council primary in June, um, a general next November. Where in the city can we say, hey, we're going to run a good Republican candidate in your district? And at the general election, you could pose a serious challenge to an incumbent Democrat there. Um, I spoke to Linda Lee, who represents parts of Eastern Queens. She said, no, I don't think people realize, you know, Curtis Lee will win in my district uh, and Zeldin won in my district. So she's a Democrat, but it's not a guaranteed win. Um, there are a handful of Republicans in the council, and it's a real possibility that they can pick up one or two more uh, this time next year uh, when it comes to the general. So again, it's, it's. I think, um, you know, I, I asked Kathy Hochul, she used a sports metaphor in a gaggle. She said she's standing behind Jay Jacobs. She said her campaign, basically she said a win's a win. Um, so I hit her with another sports metaphor, like, look, a good coach, even after the win, they're going to look at the tape to yep. see what went wrong and where they could have improved. You're not a good coach, or in this case, governor, if you're not saying, okay, we won, but was our defense there? Was our offense there? I'm ex- I'm, I'm thinking of basketball. The listener might be thinking of another game, but that is, you know, what went wrong uh, you could you could sometimes limp yourself to victory, and it's not a very good one. So hey, listen, we've watched the Knicks. We get it. Like Gabby <laughs> Ogle. I want. I'm using all my. Uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I only follow college basketball, but I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Kathy Hochul in a locker room after the win. Right. Yeah. Like say say jokes. Right. Like come on. You I were mean, a bad I, spokeswoman. You were not a good. You did lit, and you were you know. But but I, I think know. that that's a really important point, Katie, because you know there's there are different types of wins. Yeah. Like sometimes you win because the other team just was really terrible. Not that you were great. Right. So it's like, and then sometimes you win because it's a little bit of luck, but either way, it's like, okay, so Kathy, you won. You didn't blow it out the water like Cuomo did when he was the captain of the team, but you won. So we'll take the win. However, when you run the tape, it's like, did you ignore blue voters in New York City? Yes. Did you wait until the final hour to try and build coalitions with people who were to the left of you? Yes. Did you not fully address, you know, crime as an issue until you kind of had to, so then you were on the defensive and you didn't talk about all the other things that you were doing? Yes. Like, did you try and contextualize to other folks, you know, that you were kind of coming in here? I was using the plumber metaphor, you know, (laughs) last week where it's like, you know, she's a contractor. She's coming in after a contractor left halfway through the job. So she's got to figure out what they did, what they didn't do. And like, now she's trying to, Finish your bathroom. So it's like, did you do all these things? No, you didn't. You didn't do any of them. But you got the win. So like now that you get to advance to the next round, like pull it together. And if 
if she doesn't have the humility to do so, then she might be a one-term governor plus a sprinkle because if the Republicans can get their messaging together a little bit earlier, then she's out. It sort of reminds us, Harry, this is before Katie joined us. We were so lonely without you, Katie. But, you know, back in the day (laughs) when Scott Stringer was running against Elliot Spitzer, or shall I say, Elliot Spitzer decided to run against Scott Stringer for Comptroller. It's like, you know, Scott Stringer, you won, but had Elliot Spitzer had three more weeks, he would have won. So like, don't, like, understand what your win looks like. You know, Bill Thompson, you came close, what, in 2005? Nine, 2009, and then in 2013. Well, no, 2005 no, 2005. And 2009. You uh-huh. came close, uh-huh. right? And so then you thought, oh, everyone's yeah. voting for me. No, sir. They were voting against Michael Bloomberg and some mm-hmm. of his practices and policies. So like, you took your, your success in the, you interpreted it incorrectly because they weren't voting for you. They were voting against Michael Bloomberg right. at the time. So this is, I, I think it's very important to contextualize what Katie has said, which is like, Kathy Hochul, you need to do a postmortem. You had your time in Somos, in Puerto Rico, and like, now it's time to gather your team and be like, where do we go from here? I have a counter case to make you. Ooh, Uh-oh. So- Uh-oh. See, P.S., also, Brian Lair, Errol Lewis, I love the two of them. But like, do they think that we have like sneaky beef? Like, I know the three of us, like, don't always agree on things, but, like... Did I miss I, I just feel like... No, but, like, when we've been on... When Harry and I have been on Errol, Errol's like, ooh, FAQ, you know? And then it's like, Brian was just sort of... He asked me, like, a point-blank question about... What was it? He asked me, like, something about, like, you know, you disagree with Harry. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, sometimes, but, like... You know how the media tries to play up beef, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Listen, and the our listeners know, if I got beef, you know I got beef. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the media tries to really like uh, play up differences, you know, (laughs) but Harry, Harry, you have a dumb Harry has a point to make. No, I'm just right. (laughs) Yeah, what's your hot take, Larry? (laughs) Uh, So the left has been calling very loudly and publicly and with the electeds included for Jay Jacobs head. Kathy Hochul has this weirdo mandate because she ran a non-campaign. She did win. You are what your record says you are. Speaking of sports cliches, right? <laughs> she's the she's the governor. She got four years and half a trillion dollars or whatever, you know, that she's going to control. And we don't know what she's going to do with that. She didn't actually have to express it in the course of this campaign. That was good enough for her to clear Zeldin by about five points. Um, and so my guess is Jay Jacobs of Long Island, head of the Nassau County Democrats as well. Uh, uh, or of the party there, rather, right? Like he would have quietly gone away in three months if um, if there weren't public calls for his head. These public calls are coming from uh, from the same people on the left who are like, "Hey, we helped uh, uh, get get Hochul over the top." That's interesting and complicated. It was very late without his her name often attached, but they actually do show up. Uh, the DSA, the WFP, you know, your whole alphabet umbrella, they were knocking on doors. The Democratic Party was not. It's basically a ballot line, not actually a party that does party stuff like talking to your voters and listening to them on any regular basis. So Hochul, who now has a mandate, a who knows what for mandate, but a mandate is, is, is I think, in some sense saying you all are not going to tell me what to do. 
Um, and look, all the stars aligned for Zeldin, and he still fell five points short. So with all these serious losses, like Long Island is just straight red now. Uh, Hudson Valley was uh, 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 was like a purge. Westchester, interestingly enough, uh, got bluer. Manhattan is now bluer, finally, than the Bronx is, which is an interesting shift. But I do think the, the, the part of this, and Eric Adams has also spoken up the same way. Jay Jacobs did a great job. Like, like Jay Jacobs only has half a job. This is not an actual party. It's a ballot line. There's an obvious difference. Uh, these lefty groups do a lot of the party functions the ballot lines used to do, and they're trying to claim credit, credit and a scalp after this election that, again, Kathy Hochul won. So weirdly, I think what is keeping Jay where he is, is the people screaming for his head, which is an interesting sort of inversion. One other total side note, but 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 staying with what's beef. Um, so Hakeem, who loves to quote Biggie, and hopefully we'll have on the podcast soon, uh, was at St. Paul Community Baptist this Sunday, uh, as was Chuck Schumer. Uh, this is Reverend David Brawley's uh, congregation in East New York. This was for an assembly uh, after Sunday services um, where, where effectively parishioners there and from Metro IF groups across the city were, were sort of counting on the things they were expecting from their electeds and having them there so that they could have those commitments made in person to their faces and held to them. This is a really tightly scripted, straight up thing. Um, and Chuck shows up and he is drunk with happiness that he's going to be majority leader again, which clearly he did not fully anticipate. He said bullshit in church, not once mm. for emphasis, like with that, with that, you can do this one time, bam, three or possibly four times. He flat up said, hey, it's going to be me and Akeem, two Brooklyn guys who are going to be running the whole thing which is definitely not where the house is at right now with control still not clear with it not clear what Pelosi is doing and so on. And finally, Chuck said, because we won for mental health. And again, this is in a place where he's there to formally commit money in front of people who are going to remind him about that. He says, we're going to have billions for mental health. What billions? I don't know. I don't think he knows. I think he was just talking for 15 minutes in a five minute slot like half out of his mind intoxicated with uh with victory but it's going to be interesting to see where all this goes and and hakeem last thing he was really angry about the maps and he wasn't angry like people are angry now after this election played out he was flatly furious when this happened he said that the, the maps we ended up with were racist and were screwed up and were forcing democrats into unfair uh elections interestingly mike generis who, who's part of this left you know, who's, who's a powerful lawmaker in Albany is now saying, hey, look, our analysis shows even if we'd had the maps we tried to push through that were totally there to help Democrats, we still would have lost the same way. So so Hochul's to blame. All this to say that, that there's a fascinating incoherence around Democratic politics right now. We simply don't know what the agenda is going to be in Albany, who's going to be controlling it, what Hochul's mandate is or anything else. And bizarrely, all this is playing out around the basically irrelevant figure of Jay Jacobs and a, a, a state party that, that that hardly exists except on paper and significantly as a ballot line. Wow. Yeah. Well, shut it down. <laughs> this has been deep thoughts. I don't I don't disagree. No, no, here's I have a question though for you two, because you all know this better than I. Does Jay Jacobs have a future? Does he have a job in the next 
three to six months. I think so. I, I think now, now the people have demanded he goes, uh, Hochul is not going to let him go. Uh, mm. what, what, what he's actually doing, I think is, um, uh, less, less significant. Like, 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 uh, what, what does the, the head of the state party actually do? I'm not, I'm not clear on this. What, what does the mm-hmm. state party do outside have that ballot line? I'm honestly not, not very clear on that. And you could say the same, I guess, for individual parties. You know, my colleague George Joseph wrote about the Brooklyn Dems. What were they doing? There was other previous reporting of they seemed more concerned about their gala than actually getting out the vote for some some of their own people in, in, in their own party. So a lot of the stuff seems very bloated. That always seems to be my take. A lot of these political machines, right, they feel it seems like there's too many people. And what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And when you lose, there's always this narrative, you're going to be humbled by your loss. But in practice, what happens, and we'll see this with the Republicans in the House, and maybe with the Democrats in New York is, well, well, the people who get called are generally moderates who have to have competitive general elections. And they can be good moderates, or they can be Sean Patrick Maloney. Ugh. But uh, how, however what's you that do word, it, Schadenfreude? <laughs> peace out, sir. That, that was, that was, I think a lot of Democrats were, were, were satisfied to, to see how that Played I don't out know if you all read loss. Alexis Grinnell's column. <laughs> See, this is why I like Alexis Grinnell because it's like there is there's no there's no confusion. If Alexis and I like something, you know we like it. If we don't <laughs> like something, you know we don't like it. Like no one can ever say, like, I'm not sure how Chrissy feels about that. You know how I feel about it. So yeah, I thought it was a great piece. Bye, Sean Patrick. I'll let you later. It was that was a very uh, reading that interview was pretty interesting. Well, multiple interviews. He, the, I read the Huffington Post and the New York Times one. Um, this is I Sean would, Patrick Maloney passing the buck and pointing directly at AOC. Where was she? She didn't give money. Oh, she, yeah. was, she was nowhere. This guy. This guy. I would just love if an elected official just once mm-hmm. says, you know what? There was a lot of factors that led to my loss, but I ultimately take responsibility for mm-hmm. it. One Whether of the factors the in his loss, whatever, yeah. One, one of the factors in his loss is he hemorrhaged lots of money that could have gone to other races to put into his own race and defense. This is the head of the DCCC, the first such person in that position to lose their own election in like at least forty years, uh, and that 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 is itself really problematic. And that's leaving aside the thing where he shifted districts, forced another incumbent out, all all, all that. It, it's. We don't get to run it back, but 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 like a generic Sean Patrick Maloney who had not bigfooted other members of his own party the same way, maybe more Democrats turn out and he hangs on in that race. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, as I always say, only time will tell. That is what I say when I don't know what else to say or when I'm asked to predict something. But it will people from both parties learn from their lesson, you know, learn from what happened, even if they won. Stay tuned for next. <laughs> right. I mean, time reveals all things. Yeah. But as as we've seen time and time again, the Democrats just can never seem to pull themselves fully together. I just feel like they think it wins, but it's kind of head scratching sometimes. Well, what we're just doing, we're closing with cliches. My my advice to the Democratic <laughs> Party is look before you leap. And remember <laughs> that the Chiu hesitates is lost. Fortune favors the bold. F-A-Q. F-A-Q. 
This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. From now through the end of the year, every dollar you donate to the city will be doubled. And you can do that by going to thecity.nyc slash give today. That's thecity.nyc slash give. We're headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and are a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists, online at popula.com. Our hosts this episode were me, Christina Greer, Katie Honan, and Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you so much, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be cool, be well, be warm, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>